Southeastern Zone, 90.9 FM KSLU. This is the Experience Points Radio Show. I'm MG. I took the worst time to take a big sip of water. <laughs> you drinking I'm the water. Uh, You just heard Save World, Get Girl by I Fight Dragons. This is the Experience Points Radio Show. Every week we drop nerd and geek knowledge on you from 9 to 10 p.m. We have a website, exppoints.com. Always double tap that P to check out all of our stuff. We aren't going to waste a lot of time. No, we're going We're right going into right stuff. into it. Dustin, you played Shadows Die Twice. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, okay. So, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. I've completed the game. I've gone through all four playthroughs uh, and got every single ending. The only achievement I think I didn't get for that game was, one, getting all the achievements achievements, which... That's okay. such a such a lame achievement. Yeah, and this, the other one was getting all skills. I just didn't have the time because that mm-hmm. would just been a grind, and I don't particularly enjoy grinding. Right. Um the final thoughts of Sekiro. Personal thoughts about Dustin. Yeah, I don't enjoy I grinding. Don't enjoy grinding. Um, Ladies. <laughs> men. Whoever. <laughs> I enjoy receiving but not giving. That's it. Touch but, his uh, lip. You know, it's funny. It's that grinding is very much similar in that in that you have to do something over and over again and there's no real release. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if there the is, it's just kind of awkward. Yes. <laughs> Shouldn't have happened. But, no, no. But um, so Sekiro's had a great game. Um. I have a couple negative notes about it that uh, of a couple of things I didn't like. There are one or two bosses I just hate um, from a standpoint. Uh, if you're late in the game or whatever, this isn't a spoiler. There's a there's four monkeys that are a boss. Mm-hmm. They are very they are not challenging. They are not very whatever. They're very tedious. This isn't the monkey that uh, loses his head. No, that monkey's awesome. Okay, okay, I different like monkey, monkey. Different monkey. Got it. Uh, the monkeys in this one are very tedious, and it's a pain in the butt, and. It's not very fun. It's not very exciting. It's just a pain. Um, and there was another one uh, that's really cool. He's one of the best designed uh, um, monsters in the game, but he's really easy to take down. Oh, and then there's a third one where you think it's building up to a boss fight and it never does. Mm, okay. And it just it happens in every Dark Souls game. So like there's one or two bosses that don't get the same treatment as the rest of them. I wonder and why they do that. Do you think it's just like cutting room floor type thing like, or just like lack of development maybe because of time? or? I think so. I think a lot of these, especially for the two I'm thinking of, they had an idea for what this boss fight might be. But because the scale of the bosses would be so huge, yeah. they don't know how to get the player to engage that. I um I love talking about boss fights. And yeah, you just said it scale of game because it, it, it like reminisce about Shadows of the Colossus. Yeah, where, and, where the it's, whole ju- point it's just boss vices. It's yeah. just like there's no other enemies in the game. It's just it's you and the boss. Except for those little lizards. Except for the lizards. And they're all tiny bosses. They're very quick. <laughs> there. Um, okay, so you, the boss fights, the two boss fights, anything else about oh, sort um, of your. Uh, everything else is mostly positive about this experience. Uh, Stealth was definitely in there, but it wasn't. The game didn't hang its hat on it. Uh, most of what the game did hang its hat on was swordsmanship. Getting okay, really good at the combat system. You were saying there was like a parry system and like a. There's like a, a the, it's called the posture system. That's it. I was like, I, not the stress system. I, I said that last week and I couldn't remember what it was. And once you get your head around the posture system, everything you do and every enemy you engage <clears> is kind of based on how much posture damage can you do. Is this an enemy you can posture kill? And stuff like that, which I think is a very interesting system. And I said it last episode yeah. that people are going to steal from this. I'm sure. I love I love those different economies, like economies that you don't. You know, people think economies are things like, um, I guess, things that deplete fine, things that you have to manage, and that's great and everything. Right. But people look at it like it's some sort of like a mana resource or a health resource. And I love unconventional economy systems. Like it's yeah. really convenient. It, it I don't know. It speaks to 
complicated, but games that like when you play this game, you're like, well, I'm really good at this game, and people take note. Oh, he's really good at Shadows yeah. Die Twice. Okay, and that's and that's where I got was uh, Secure Shadows Die Twice, where you know the first boss that had frustrated me to death and everything. I'm understanding the system. I understand how they fight and what to move for. Now I'm watching the right things. But mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to damage this guy. I don't. I'm not need to be worried about how little damage I'm doing to his health bar. I'm doing some great posture damage. Today. Well, yeah, but you so, so like games games that. have like influenced you into that mindset your entire that life. Health is so important. Yeah, like that- I can only get hit three times, it's, and that's the that's the most annoying thing that I. It sounds like this game doesn't really fall into that trap where there's like a uh, the rhythm of the game, the momentum of the game is surrounded by like the equation of you hit this thing three times or five times. Right. You know, like every every other game out there, it sounds like this is a little bit different. It's it shakes almost, it up, and there are a couple of bosses who do you do have to deplete their health bar pretty much all the way. But for the most part, the enemies that I fought that I noticed I wasn't doing too much health damage, these were all enemies that could be postured right. into the death post. So there, but you also could have whittled them down over time. If I had the patience over and, time. and the ability to dodge as well as something. So it's like your ninja on. and your, uh, your, like your, your, your knight and your ninja. You know, The knight yeah. isn't necessarily agile. The ninja isn't necessarily going to give a death blow, right. like a, a significant death blow just with like one hit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the knight can wear you down and the ninja can dance around you and tire you and, out. And there's, and there's certainly enemies that it, it stands where you're changing your strategy like that is – is, is beneficial. Nice. And the game, uh, it teaches you very harshly how to do that and everything like that. And you either have the, and there's people who don't like these kinds of games. I completely understand. Um, there's people who do have the patience for that, who have the patience for that, who have the time for that. And there's players who don't. Well, and I imagine, um, you know, this is going to be like the run where you never posture kill an enemy or the, the run where the run where game. you only posture kill enemies. You know, it's like, what do they call it? Where it's like you change the rules and they're unofficial rule sets. I can't yeah. remember what it's called, but it's like you decide the rules you're going to follow. Uh, and, and then you you do an entire thing, and it's not a speed run. It's right. probably quite the opposite. And yeah, and I, I noticed my mindset had changed so much time on my fourth playthrough, where I really weren't wasn't looking at enemies' health bars for the most part. I was looking at their posture bars almost the entire time. Nice. I cared about that more than anything else, with the exception of maybe two or three big guys, big bosses, where you know. I just had to be patient, but they were very easy to dodge, and they didn't have too much health danger resistance. It, it was almost a bored fight because you just had to barely pay attention. It wasn't technically difficult. It, it was just it, attention it, necessary. And that's a shame because that monkey boss mm-hmm. I talked about, the one I do like, the great ape. Right. Um, the one I did like, That's it was a shame because by my fourth one, I knew his stuff so well and his weaknesses and his vulnerabilities and what he could and couldn't do and the fact, you know, if I'm not going to sit there and try to parry everything, he's not a boss I'm going to posture kill. He's too right. big. Uh, he's always going to have more power than me, so I just used how fast I was, and he doesn't really have a counter for that. And once you understand what the boss's Achilles heel is for that You can enemy, exploit it. And, and that's why I was able to blow through it three times in a row over the right. course of four or five days. And Man, you did you – did, that's – so I imagine – is it a is it, is it an exceptionally – like it's not a short game – but would you say that it, it, it's like a normal length game, a, a long game? I mean, how how your, for your, an average player? Your first playthrough will probably be your longest. Uh, for the average player, if they're really going through this tradition like a game, going through an area, um, it, I think it would take you skill-wise about 15 hours. Okay, so it's a solid game then. It's, it's a, not if you Right, if you are taking your time going through everything. and that's. But the thing about these games are it's really based on your skill. Right. And because you can make quick work of a boss if you pay attention enough, mm-hmm. or you could take forever on one boss right. if you don't. My quickest playthrough, I think, was my second or third one, and I was able to f- 
beat it in about two hours, 30 minutes. See, that's how I felt that Resident Evil 2 was for like once once you played it through as Claire, you knew where everything was. You had done yeah. your research and it was less of a uh, guesswork, I guess you. And I think we said right. that on the stream. It was less of a guesswork because you were able to just kind of flip between areas and almost yeah. just like uh, narrate where why you're doing what you're doing. So that the stream wouldn't be eight episodes at two hours oh, yeah. each, you know. Which... And, and the, uh, the 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 I was thinking about the thing that took me the longest. Um, there was a section of the story where I have to eavesdrop on people, and I think that slowed me down more than anything on my second. Yeah, it was my second run. Oh, because it's actually days. like you have to you go at the pace of the game, not at the pace of you. It, it's the only part where oh, you okay. got to do that. And, but, but most of the time, I just hit A, so I can. I had to talk to a whole bunch of people to get a certain ending, and once that was done. Um, I had to go through an area that I hadn't – you can go through the first time, but I hadn't gone through it the first time. Yeah. But you go through it again in a dream sequence, but I digress. But uh, Secure Shadow Side Twice, uh, definitely a big learning curve uh, for players like any from a software game. Uh, great game, though. Very beautiful game. And you, you said you already returned it. Like you, you played it four times, it three, four times, yeah. and you traded it um, in. Once I got all the endings and everything, uh, there was just – I had such a – it didn't feel like a challenge. I wasn't getting anything out of it. Uh, I knew everybody too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a year from now, I'll go back to it. There you and go. Maybe I'll start completely fresh. Um, See, that's I love playing games. I, I need to have, uh, and soon I'll have downtime to play. Uh, and it sounds crazy saying this in 2019. I'm gonna have downtime to play Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh, finally, um, yeah. Right, right. Finally, um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about that because I know that it's a good game. But I decided to, and this is this is ties into a lot of things we're going to talk about in the latter half of the show. But I had time at the time to play Horizon Zero Dawn and and then Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. Um, and I decided to play Mass Effect Andromeda before Horizon, and then Horizon before Breath of the Wild. Andromeda is a good segue. And, now. and well, Andromeda is really good. Yeah. Let's yeah. go ahead and cut to two songs, and yes. we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that. History repeating part one and part two by the Megas and the Ballad of Barry Allen. That's the Flash, if you don't know. Jim's 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 big ego, the best flash. Well, I I don't know, maybe the best flash. Anyway, Jim's big ego. We'll catch you after the break on Southeastern Zone ninety point nine KSLU. Hey, we're back on Southeastern Zone, 90.9 FM KSLU. Still the Experience Points Radio Show. I'm still MG. I'm always going to be Dustin. You can hang your hat on it. When all else fails. There ain't no name change. Dustin's here. there. Oh, um, there, baby. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> Jim's big ego with the ballad of Barry Allen and then the Megas with History Repeating Part I'm, 1 and Part 2. I'm going to get right in your ear now. <laughs> oh, man, now I'm gonna, what is that? ASMR? AMSR? It's, like the, it's like, this is NPR, all things considered. Is that, uh, like, that's I, what they thanks, do. I, on this, this is American how, life. By the way, I've seen them do that like video. They are like, oh, here, I'm going to back they're up the really, mic. They're really, I'm screwing up the wave file here. No, no, it's but good. Like, they are like, like, they are like, my lips are right up to the microphone. I can smell. Everyone it's like I bring my own pop filter because otherwise <laughs> it's unsanitary. Um, before the break, we alluded to, I was talking about how I'm going to have some downtime to play Breath of the Wild, but I said, right. because whenever I got Breath of the Wild in my Switch, yeah. I chose instead to play first uh, Mass Effect Andromeda and then second Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. And you said that that's a good segue and then we cut. Yeah. So the segue yeah. there is that Mass Effect Andromeda, I like how your microphone just did like a little wiggly wiggle. It did, it did. I you hit, hit, the, you hit the XLR. And, cable, you yeah. know, I was hoping it wouldn't pop up, and therefore the audience wouldn't notice. Go on, Matt. I'm what sorry. Else you got? Um, I they, had my shirt on inside out and walking around campus. You want to talk about that for is, a little bit? Is your shirt on inside out? And it's not anymore, but I literally took it off in the middle <laughs> by the tennis court. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, where is my mind right yeah, now? I better fix it before no one notices. Took off shirt. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> 
So uh, we were talking about Mass Effect Andromeda, and uh, for for those that haven't listened to us very, you know, I guess recently, Mass Effect Andromeda, in my opinion, it wasn't really that bad of a game, but the internet didn't think so. They thought it was an incredibly bad game. And uh, it's made by EA, but it was EA Montreal, which was not the Edmonton studio that at the time was, you know, knee deep in developing Anthem, which came out uh, in in earlier mid-February of, of 2019 of this yes. year. And to to... I'm going to say a claim, but we're going to we're going to get to that in a minute. There, there were uh, kind of go back to Mass Effect drama. There were some significant problems with that, specifically changing from the Unreal Engine to the Frostbite Engine. The, apparently, the Frostbite Engine is hard to work with. Well, it's great for like first person shooters, and that's about it. And that's about it. Whenever you change from a winning formula, which was Unreal for the Mass Effect and Dragon Age games, mm-hmm. to then go to Frostbite because of EA or just decisions or whatever, uh, couple that with the storyline changes, and we've talked about this. And actually, Blood Sweat yeah. uh, and Pixels by Jason Schreier from Kotaku does a really good job of explaining the Bioware problem with Mass Effect. Definitely a book. To, there's a that's a book I want to read. That's a really no. I've read it. It's really good. There's an ebook um, version of it. It's like five dollars. It's not very expensive at all. It's really really good. And it's an easy read because uh, Jason's not particularly. He's not a hard writer, right? So. Um, but people didn't like Mass Effect Andromeda because it lacked a certain amount of Bioware polish that I think we got uh, accustomed to with you know all their old games like the Old Republic or Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Dragon Age, all the Mass Effect games before that, even the Mass Effect games like Mass Effect Three, where the ending was kind of a controversial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they they there was controversy in the ending as a choice, not the game as an experience, and that's an important distinction because the game as an experience was the problem with Mass Effect because yes. there were little things that broke immersion and. For those games, immersion's really you know it's a, it's the king. So uh, this is uh, we could talk about the frostbite engine and all this, but uh, Kotaku. Came right, out right. With, all of all of that backstory was right. to say that recently um, there's been some flack for Anthem because Anthem hasn't really been cut in the mustard like it should, Anthem, or that it was expected to be. Anthem probably Anthem probably it, won't. It, it has a 55 on Metacritic, which is abysmal. That's awful. That's really bad. That's really bad. I think it's the lowest score of a Bioware game. And consider, mm-hmm. I just included Mass Effect Andromeda in that. And that wasn't even made by Edmonton. Edmonton is the one, that, that's a studio, the true, I guess, Bioware studio that uh, was behind Mass Effect, uh, the original Mass Effect. And then Andromeda was kind of farmed out to this uh, sister installation uh, in, in, in Montreal. So, I mean, just consider that we're talking about the, the OG Bioware. Yes, this, and, is, the, this and, is Bioware. And, and, and they, they had, you know, that they had, problem. They, they had the one in uh, Canada. They had two offices, I think. Yeah, and those are both shuttered. Those closed. So, Kutaku, uh, and who is the author of this article? I'm Jason Schreier. Jason Schreier. Uh, he's the writer of that book, right? Yep. Jason Schreier does this. Uh, it's very. It's not brief. It's lengthy. It's lengthy, but he does a, a probably one of the best things of uh, gaming journalism I've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. He writes a very long piece about Bioware's um, and what happened with everything like that what happened with anthem where it all went wrong what is the title of this article uh i think what's wrong with anthem or something what right. was wrong with anthem so I, I just looked up metacritic uh mass effect andromeda is a 71 and a 72 depending on ps4 P, uh, pc whereas like mass effect is 89 uh it's, it's actually 76 yeah, wow. on xbox one compared to anthem which currently is 55, 59, and then 65 depending on ps4 pc and xbox one respectively okay. so it's the worst game the recent game they've, they've ever released 
Yeah. It's absolutely staggering that, and this was the cash cow. This was the one that was supposed to be the messiah for Bio, the revival of the of the massive, you know, the sorry for Andromeda. We're going to get it right, right in Anthem sort of thing. And the the weird thing about, so he goes to the interview about, like, what happened with Anthem? Because a lot of people, and he addresses it, was that, you know, a lot of people think, was this a cash grab on a microtransaction? Was this whatever, like that? And I had a guess on what happened with Anthem because I think, I think you, uh, we have, kind of i don't have as much prior history in the military as you do i mm-hmm. mean you were in there and there i just trained you know a little bit in north georgia a little bit but most of a lot of some organization has a problem is usually it's that big l word yep leadership yep and primarily because it's, primarily you, you, if you never you can shuffle out the lower people all day long if the leadership is broken it's never going to get better yeah and 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 that's the thing um if the leadership is bad your final product is usually going to be bad. And if something is bad but the leadership was solid, at least be kind of cohesive and consistent. Yeah. Uh, and with Kotaku Review, he was talking, was they trying to make a Destiny clone? Were they trying to do this? And the answer to that was all of it was no because no. they didn't have any idea what they were doing. Yeah. And that was the problem from Jump Street. And reading about this article, and I'll give you – I'll kind of keep it as brief as possible. Well, and, and I would say everybody should go read the article. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, I don't agree with Jason on everything that I've you know he because he he's part of split screen and you know I don't agree I don't agree with a lot of his takes on things. But this is a good take in my opinion uh, because it it sort of sets up it sets up the uh, it, you know it, it builds it builds the walls around what is Bioware right now like what what scenario what what caused the scenario or the situation to kind of manifest persist and originally you know they tried to say it was mass effect andromeda was sort of a one off and it was because of these things that aren't going to happen again oh uh, they you, says things you, like oh things with a new engine right right they were trying to say that but it but it ends up being a little bit deeper than that i mean they were talking about how 12 year yes. veterans in the industry have to take months off to deal with their amounts of stress yeah and that's insane that's an, and that's the thing it's the, that was unbelievable that a doctor it wasn't that they're just doing it a doctor recommended yeah. that and there was so much fighting with the frostbite engine that apparently that it doesn't have tools to do simple things that hacking around a bug was better than just fixing a bug yeah because it would take days to fix one bug on this well, stupid and engine it's, and it's interesting that they they didn't completely learn their lesson with Andromeda right. and I'm saying this they come up with I, a different tool I, set. I feel and it's it's representative quantitatively by Metacritic and I know that's like polling so okay fine right. sue me I know that it's qualitative quantization but that's your audience but that's your audience it, it's interesting because Mass Effect Andromeda played really well I, and I say that it, it, it as a platformer or as as a series of like jumping mechanics and hey, zip, zipping around. Uh, mechanics, I was thinking it was, about it, I never saw an issue in those things. It's when it tried to do anything else. Yeah, that it really like with the facial animation. Well, that's the thing. As a, as telling a story, it needed some polish. But as right. being a game, it wasn't particularly bad at being a game. It was bad at being a Mass Effect game. It was bad at telling a Mass Effect story. Right. It had some texture issues. It had some game not game breaking, but some story breaking issues. But and there were some game breaking issues. I'm not going to shy away from that. It wasn't right. a perfect game, not at all. Was it definitely worth the 76 that it got? Yeah, and I think it was probably worth a little bit more. But the fact that the same people, the same like Bioware disciples of Bioware sort of people, right. are playing Anthem and they're giving it lower scores. Yeah, that does say something. And and it yeah. says it says a lot in that. Okay, if the Frostbite engine wasn't good for a single player offline game. Why would it be good for a sing- for a multiplayer right. third person shooter? Right. 
and that's and that's the problem is that they are sticking to this frostbite engine. If you're going to stick to an engine, you need to create new developers tool for it. If people are telling you to get problems, but according uh, according to the article, they would bring up these problems with the engine and everything, and they would just get dismissed. Yeah, and that happened over and over to them, and that people who are familiar with the frostbite engine and stuff like that would often get moved around on different projects. There was nobody saying, "Hey, we need these guys here," because the leadership at Bioware left. And then what they wanted Anthem to be changed so many times. I've heard we've heard that before. That's and that's been that was the entire gripe with like modern video game development. Right. I don't envy modern video game developers. No, it's, and and it's there's been talk about how do you protect people, and I think and I think this it reminds me a lot of the early days of the acting studios, mm-hmm. knowing their history of that. And it took them union and not to be whatever people are like oh unions are a terrible thing. I'm like oh, there could be good or bad. They're kind of a mixed thing, but. There's something. There's unions that that are part of my career. There's, uh, there's oh god. There's uh, actors' act- equity. There's mm-hmm. SAG and everything well, like that. It's good whenever whenever there's nothing else out there to protect the audience and the members. Right, and it that's can be the a thing. really helpful thing. And when the reason those exist is because of what they do to game developers is they work them for 36 hours. Right, so, right. That's what they used to do back in the early days mm-hmm. and back in the Hollywood days. Well, I think in in very recent history regarding SAG after was that uh, voice actors didn't fall underneath that, and now they do. Now there's they like do. the they, voice actors because guild. you can they can wear those guys out too, and yeah. they've been asked for well, and then no royalties and just it's, it's you're paid a lot that, of BS. You're, you're paid that flat rate. And I know uh, Ashley Birch, I think, was talking about it whenever she was doing. Um, Wonder if she was doing Life is Strange, yeah, and then eventually she did Horizon. She was she was Aloy in Horizon, mm-hmm. uh, Zero Dawn. That she was talking about, you know, before it was it was really crazy. She didn't know if she was going to return to do yeah. uh, one of the main characters in Life is Strange because as the res- as a result of like the strike or whatever, yeah, that there was going on at the time, and and, and thankfully. You know, thankfully for everyone involved, except maybe like the production studios. I'm sure they didn't like playing more, pay more money, but like right. we got a great experience. And, she got the money she deserved. And, and to be honest, it's like film has not been hurt by these unions. To be honest, no, it, and it, it protects us. And if there is anything where I'm like, I had one incident where somebody asked me to do something I was not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a stunt thing, and I was like, I'd rather not do that. He's like, and I'm not going to say who it was because of certain legal things, and they they wanted my face for the scene or whatever I'm like okay but I'm not trained on how to do that right and I need somebody to show me how to do that but and then they got very so I gave him a call and they gave him a call and then he wasn't around anymore well it's just one of those things where it's like these are the rules we follow this is our this is our handbook now and there's a damn good reason for it too because and it's almost everything I've seen I've been like yeah I totally agree with this this is so you don't get hurt this is so you don't get and there are certain things like yeah I'd like to help out on set but if I drop something I injure somebody else like that's not covered you know, there's a reason not to do certain things. Well, and kind of pulling that back to, you know, video game developer uh, aspect, you know, you've yes. got Santa Monica Studios rushing and crunching for, you know, God of War. Yeah. You've got BioWare rushing and crunching to do Anthem uh-huh. or Mass Effect. You've got any of these studios crunching things together to throw games out and throw updates out and throw all these things out. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, crunch time is that's any a, it, that's, in, that's a natural and organic thing that occurs. I'm not going to say that it's the best thing in the world. I'm no, saying I've that had it ha- cr- we've had crunch it, time. It, it, it's, it, in school, in school, you have that where you're like, I have to just buckle down and avoid. It's a deadline business. That's it. That's it. It's deadlines. So yeah. I mean, you you have to push gold. You have to push yeah. a gold image out. And the, you know the problem is, and Kotaka does all this thing about 
them, Bioware released a statement before the article was ever actually released. Yeah, I think there was a point by point or a bullet, a bulleted sort of like yeah. item and itemized list that they sent over to Bioware, letting them know we're going to release an article. Here's our points. Right, and Bioware released a statement on the Twitter where they completely missed the mark on what was the problem. Yeah, and their statement was, "Well, there's a lot of passion involved." And it's like, okay. And everyone's response was like, so Yeah, I know. The, thera- to, the therapist isn't gonna, cheap. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, so you're going to manipulate that passion for desire to make games for these new guys and work them to death? Yeah, pretty much. To, to a point where they're so stressed out, they have to go to a doctor and take time off work. Like, that's like, you're you're completely missing the point. Yeah. And this fact that you do have guys have, you do have guys that are passionate about this. So that's inexcusable. To me, that's the opposite. Well, it's it's saying, you know, we're not wrong. They're, you're you're wrong for pointing this thing out. We're trying yeah. to give people a future. We're trying to give people like this thing. And you, you're blaming people. We were trying to, you know, we're sheltering our people from all and, the blame. And, and it's like, that's very, not what we were trying to do at all. And this might sound like an overreaction or something like that. What happens when there's, and people may like, oh, that'll never happen. It might. What happens when that guy gets sick of it in his office and pulls out a gun and blows his head off or shoots somebody? Oh in no, I, I can, I can. I'm that, sure that's you're gonna you're gonna keep doing that to people. One of them's gonna snap and do that. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, so I don't, I don't see, and maybe this is a little off the mark, but I don't see a lot of difference between you know Bioware or any any company that has an immense amount of stress on their workforce. Yeah, that they may get paid well, but I mean, getting paid six figures in California is a little bit than getting paid six Exa- figures here. You right. know, and uh, it's also you don't have a lot of job security as game developers they don't clearly just look at the last two years three or five years of game of big big game studio thq shutting down and with we're uh, we're having these revolving doors yeah the uh, what was it telltale telltale games all of a sudden you know you're you're out there but you have to job hop but you don't want to job hop because then people don't like people that are job hopping so you know i i don't think there's a lot of difference between companies like that and something like foxconn in china like where where they're just working their commercial workers to the death where they have suicide nets well and the crazy the craziest thing is there's almost this idea or if if not an idea, not not a um, not a not a verbalized or articulated idea, but clearly some sort of thought isn't being put into, or ironically, is definitely being put into uh, our video game developers being semi disposable. Because if we're going to work them to death. Yeah. And they quit or they there's burn out or whatever. Guy. There's someone that's going to pick up the slack. And we see that the numbers aren't there. And we see, that, like, you know, yeah. whether it's the, the profit margin is low or the profit margin is a small number or whether it's the Metacritic number is a small number. These these ratings that need to drive, and I'm not saying Metacritic is perfect, but I'm saying that there's ratings and there's, when you have, it's like one of those things where if it's, if it's a subjective opinion, if it's the Russian judge, as it were, you know, and they say, oh, it, yeah, you it know. lives in the cloud. Right, right. If it's, if it's five out of ten and he's the only one saying or she's the only one saying five out of ten, then that's one thing. But it's genuinely been panned by most, if not all, like appropriate sort of, you know, game journalists, like re- re- relevant game journalists. Right. It's not a good game. And the fact that EA is still going to defend it. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing, and I'm, I'm very happy that I can say this now in 2019 versus in 2016, but instead of doing what Hello Games did with No Man's Sky, which turned a, a, a turd, they polished it and they made Midas gold out of that. And they, not to be whatever, I went back to No Man's Sky. It's amazing. And I, and I, re, and I looked at my clock and I'm like, I've been playing this for about five hours. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not bored of it yet. I'm and, tired, and but I'm not I, bored. I was still like, what is going on? Like, I had the good feeling what of what year is, going, is it? What, yeah. what is going on here yeah. kind of thing. And they're releasing VR. They're releasing VR for it. You can paint in VR now in No Man's Sky. It's amazing. And that's a a company doing a very good job of 
realizing. And well, and most recently, Gearbox. Gearbox just released the HD packs for the Handsome Collection right. and for Borderlands One. And uh, and real quick, and we're going to move off of this. Uh, but there's another article I encourage you to read. And how? And this is really cool. A Polygon to do uh, an article by Ben Kuchar supporting Kutaku's article. Yeah. Uh, the name of the article he wrote is "The Press Is Not Your Enemy." Bioware, and it is a support. And he actually links directly to. It's, it's so ridiculous Kutaku, that that's, that's an article that has to exist. Like it's, it's it's absolutely it's diminishing. It's diminishing that. And that, his is more of a. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. His go is, ahead. His is more of a reply to the Twitter statement. Yeah. That was made after the. It's not as long as the. It's not. It's not as long as Jason's it's, article. It, yeah, it's definitely a little tighter, but it's like. They got to get to uh, those ads at the bottom of the, of the uh, website. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the The report was Bioware publisher statement 15 minutes after they got K- the Kotaku article. There's no way that they could have read the entire thing right. and developed. They already had their points lined up. They had their points lined up. They read it ahead of time. Okay, it, because it, that guy has to go through a bunch of press people. It's a little annoying because you know when you read when you read the article and it's it's a lot to slog through, but it's not un. I would say it's it's not a good read because of the content. Right. It's not a bad read. Because of the purpose, like yeah. the purpose of it is to show, is to highlight these annoying things from a, from a pure. I, I would say from a from a, an investigative area. I like, think we should share it on our. We're gonna put it. On, we're gonna put it on the. Uh, we'll put it on I've Facebook. I've linked it on mine. Uh, any fans of mine to follow my personal it, page. But, it, it's yeah. frustrating. It's frustrating to me to look at something like that and go. This is someone who makes his bread and butter. His money comes from writing about things like this. Yeah. And I can't imagine anything better than someone reading or listening or hearing or watching you and going at, at like a developer or a, a, a company like that and going, yeah, we really missed the mark on that. You know what? We need to put that, a statement out and we need to say we're sorry and that we are going to do better. And that's the thing. It's what 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 is going to happen is there was one. And this is just like a mirror from the early acting days, where the mentality was: there's always another actor out there who'll get another Doris Day, or yeah. and then your movies ended up being inconsistent, just like now. Yeah. And what happened was there was a group of people that were like, look, we're getting sick of it. We we're not going to do. It. And there was a big strike. And then there became an actor studio that was like, hey, you know what? If you want a contract with us, we'll do that. Yeah. Well, you got a certain guarantee. We right? want to act. We, we want you to be in our films because they're better with consistent actors and consistent direction. And it took one studio doing that, and then the rest went, oh, everyone wants to work for them now. I guess we got to do that. Well, I don't know. There's going to be a studio that does that. I don't know any game developer that doesn't, in earnest, want to make a bad game, a game that se- sells that nothing. That. You know, I, I, I could see ironically making a bad game like a meme game or something right. like as a point but like not unironic or not not ironically or unironically making a bad game i can't see anyone going i really want to make the worst game ever like i want to yeah. make the room of games and the room is a good thing to shoot for if you like the idea of that like meme like cringeworthy dialogue like the yeah. stupid thing but only now like it, it wasn't in intended. retrospect in retrospect right though. it was like it was funny because it was so bad. Right. A game being funny because it was so bad, like Colonial Marines or something. Like, or Rad. Or Rad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, or Rad or something, like their Earth Defense Force. Like, somebody that owns it, and that's like, that's their thing, is now we yeah. make bad games. Like, that's one thing, but I can't imagine anyone at Bioware wanted Anthem to fail. Any developer no, at Bioware. And I, and I don't think, and I think that's the only thing I agree with with Bioware's Twitter statement was there is a lot of passion. You, you don't get to manipulate that passion. You don't get to looking take at you sea levels. You yeah, we don't get to take advantage of people who are really passionate about it. Well, I, don't, I think they didn't appreciate the fact that there were name drops for some of these people as well. But yeah. I mean, you can sort of 
I mean, all that's public. Like, who do you yeah. think's running the ship? You think the game developers are deciding how to write the game? And, and like, how to tell the story? People no. People were getting pulled. Like, the Anthem's name was only Anthem only about a year in. They already had t-shirts for the original title yeah. of the game, which was Beyond. Yep. And there was a lot of reading about, like, some of the thing is, like, some of the core ideas about this game were very interesting mm-hmm. in that it wasn't a loot grinder. It was more about how long can you and your friends go out there and have an adventure right. with all these different dynamic weather things. And they're like, well, yeah, it wasn't fun to play with. And I'm like, that's almost like a, like be- a risk of rain almost right, like, like a, like a, rain like a or, gauntlet. I'm like, not to be whatever. You, it's probably because you were just thinking in terms of regular weather. Yeah. You need to have like how fun would it be to have a meteor storm all of a sudden kick off while there's a big firefight going on. Right. And or a tornado sucking these, up bad these, guys. These dynamic uh, weather effects and these dynamic enemy effects that are just really. I mean, they change the game. Every run can be semi unique. And right. the the fact that uh, I think I, in part of the article they were talking about how they got the seven minutes of like showcased gameplay at E three or whatever. Yeah, back in twenty fourteen. Yeah, it's like they came up with that like very very early before they showcased that. And it was it was really just like the flight mechanic, which was neat. Yeah, they you know? kept getting rid of that. And putting and it back adding in, it back in, putting yeah. it out. And it's like whenever you have some creative designer that's like, put that back in, take that back out, put that back in, take that back out, and it's the same person. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> you know? that's, and that's a problem. My, yeah. Of course, it, my leadership, dis- and putting myself in my shoes, I would have been like, if our game is from a design aspect out there about how long players can out there, giving them the ability to fly would circumvent that. It yeah. would take away from the experience because one of the greatest obstacles and enemies to overcome is not just guys with guns. It would be the environment itself. Working yep. with your friends to traverse the environment might be a really cool, fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And thinking of that as core mechanics of exploring a strange new planet, but not just alien hostiles, but environment you're not familiar with, floor you're not well, familiar I, with. That would have been really cool. I agree. I agree with almost everything in the article. I think there's one part where I kind of di- diverge a little bit, and that's mm. the part where they say, is it supposed to be a death? Destiny clone, and I think the developers say no, and EA wanted it to be. I think they, they, I, they wanted it to compete and destroy Destiny in a way that would generate a lot of money for them. I think I think so, but and the irony was that like the Destiny people, like you couldn't say Destiny, no, like but you but, say like other massively multiplayer online role playing right. based games. That are in space that have you know mechanics. It's almost second with and guns and that's, that are loot shooters. And that's the and the funny thing is like to me my mentality would be like it's almost better if you didn't think about this being in space because I saw some of the early concept art which was that the anthems were less Iron Man more NASA inspired right right and I'm thinking of every kind of like survival game like Astro Near and stuff mm-hmm. like that where you're like. Okay, managing your inventory with a group of friends and going out in the environment, going, okay, we can't stay as long because you know our gas filters are running. Or even or like, like even like a Fallout, a Fallout, but not seventy six, not seventy six, like, you know, but, but like a like, Fallout, like where it's like you can't, you don't have all of this crazy, like you have weaponry and you have mm-hmm. suits and you've got abilities. But it's not like you're invincible. You're not right. Iron Man, right? right. I and completely agree. I with would that have sentiment. liked to have seen something like that where it's like. You know, okay, getting into like, all right, we're gonna go out there and shoot some aliens. Like, no, shooting aliens and stuff like that, that presents a risk to you guys. Because right. what if you get injured, you have to deal with that. You have a limited amount of things to heal with, you have a right. limited amount of, you know, space for ammo. Mm-hmm. And what's you know. the core mechanic? Uh, and of course, you can get really cool stuff, but you gotta go out there and, and you gotta put risk out. Once you establish what the risk reward for players is and you have that firmly in your mind, I think you could start developing a game from there. I don't think that was ever you a could. Step. You could. I could. Because I know <laughs> they what that clearly can. And I and I know that mentality from 
and to be say the Bloodborne and Dark Souls taught me that. Like, or even well, I mean, even D and D, even D and D. I mean, whenever every, right. whenever you're playing any type of game, and I, I fundamentally believe like most games mm-hmm. that aren't just strictly platformer, you know, puzzle based games right. are effectively D and D, but in a game. Right. You know, you've got chance, you've got loot, you got risk, you got threat, you got all of these abilities and care, you know, points or whatever. If you don't have anything at risk. There's not a whole lot of reason for you to care. And there shouldn't be yeah. a lot of you for, for you to gain as a result. And, and that's the you thing. know that's and, sort of proportional. And D and D, the greatest there's the, always the greatest risk that's always at stake is your character's life. Right, this character that you work on, you just take your risk. take your sheet and tear he, it up. He he can't be killed. Right, and that's something that one of my players had to learn the hard way. And one of the things is the the risks are at their maximum. I, I remember there was a game, um, and I don't know many games that do this, but I'm sure it's not unique to this game. It was a game, an early. Uh, top-down sort of MMO. It's called Tibia. And it was a really... It, it's an mm-hmm. interesting game. It's still really, like, loved and played by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But whenever you died, you de-leveled. So as yeah. you died, you lose half of your stuff, half your gold, half your equipment, whatever, and it's kind of random. And you can go out and find like it. Sekiro, and I'm yeah, like, you can go. Yeah, you can go and find it. But then if you kept dying, you could level back down to one. Yeah. You, you know, you could, you'd be like... And, and, and I think you lost, like, a signi- like a mathematical formula amount of, of experience every time you did that. Right. I love that because all of a sudden, it's like, like, like it's not like, oh, I died, let me walk that, back to my body, mm-hmm. you know, World of Warcraft, or, oh, I died, let me spawn at the save point or whatever. There were no save points. The, the, it was all the, real. And I, I'm not a very big fan of that. It's the only thing I can kind of say negative about The Witcher Three, it's the load save state kind of thing. Yeah, that's the only. Well, that's the thing about uh, about Skyrim is that quick save. I think maybe ruin yeah. ruin some ruin some fear for people. And I think that's a uh, having the uh, the ability to save wherever you want. I think that's a I think that's a mechanic that can hurt your game. I think mm-hmm. if they're the it only, can, it can work sometimes too, especially in a game where you're trying different things. Yeah, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, like. An hour into Skyrim, I always save it, and I go up to that giant, and I just kind of mess with him, right? And you know, it, and he punts me over the mountain, and, and that's. I've always been curious about games like that. If there were designated save areas, mm-hmm. like you know, towns and stuff, you could only see, and they have survival mode that's kind of like that. But in Skyrim, in, in Skyrim, oh, okay. I don't know if there's a survival mode in Skyrim, but in Fallout, like you sleep in a bed, and that's how you save, right? Like right. That. But I've always been curious about you know, like if you take players' ability, like I'm playing Divinity Two, and I can save everywhere because mm-hmm. there's a lot of. Um, you know, trial and error in that game a little bit. But I've always been curious about, like, you know, because Dark Souls is like, no, you can't save wherever you want. You go over here. Well, that's kind of how, like, Nier is. I'm playing Nier Automata right now, and I did a couple things, and I didn't save it, and I closed out of the game, yeah. and I didn't even, it was like, and save progress, and I'm like, whatever, man. And I'm like, oh, no, I just did, like, eight missions. Yeah. And it didn't force me to that's save. That's almost worse, though, when there's no autosave, because it's like, you forgot to do your errand. Now you're punished. Like, ugh, don't Yeah, do but I mean, I, I think, I don't know, putting more on the players, and I we get, I, I think I agree sometimes and disagree sometimes on that, I you got know? more excited for my idea of an Anthem game than the actual Anthem game. <laughs> I don't think you're the only one. I I, I, don't, I would I, love I don't, to play something like that with you and me. On I, PC I don't. I don't, I don't think fun. you are. I don't think you're. You're uh, far off the mark from how maybe most people. They they wanted. They wanted the game to be more like. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough looking I, at it where it's at now because I really wanted it to succeed. I, I, and there's and that's the thing. It's what they came up with. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do with that mechanic. Well, not with the not with how you're treating it now. Not with how you're treating it you now. Know, like when you're treating it now like this, it's like people are saying, "Oh no, Mass Effect's not dead." And I'm like, "I don't know if I want another Mass Effect game." No, and not I'll with, be not honest, from you, not from this studio. No, I'd rather get something else, and I think that's why 
I'm excited for things like Cyberpunk and uh, stuff like I'm, that. I'm always excited for Cyberpunk. I was I was more excited about Warcraft one and two coming on good old games yeah, like last too. week. You know, I, I instantly bought the double pack. Um, um, a couple of quick notes because we're running out of time yep. here. Uh, September 13th, we got an announcement for Borderlands three. Thank God. Uh, September 13th of this year, correct? Yes. Uh, very yes. quick. Uh, not too far off. That's five months away. Yeah, I mean that's a I, that's a quick turnaround. But I, I guess they maybe were share maybe they're sharing some assets between the HD re, the re releases of Borderlands one and two and pre sequel. Yeah, uh, knock out two birds I mean, with one stone. How Sometimes how smart. different do the rocks need to look? You know, uh, was cell shading not too much, not too much. Uh, so it better be big. Um, I hope so. Yep. And also later this uh, month, we got one of our, I think really our only big release coming out. There might be some stuff I'm missing, I'm sure, is Days Gone. I think it's really the last PS4 exclusive other than Last of Us Part yeah. 2. Big, big stuff is like a subjective thing where you're like, right. I like Euro Truck Simulator 9. Yeah, Why did you so say much anything about there, that? And you're like, because it sucks. Commercially, you know? the only thing I've really been seeing too much of. And and after that, it's... That's the only E3, like the, the E3 entry that right. of, of 2018's E3. Until I hear about Ghost of Tsushima and everything like that which uh which i beautiful game but uh that's kind of the two big announcements game wise uh yep. i'm sure there's more coming down the pipeline a little bit later but uh yeah let's uh cut to a song come back close out the show this is critical hit by no more kings i'm mg i'm dustin you're listening to this on experience points on 90.9 fm kslu <laughs> Hey everybody, we're back on Southeastern Zone, 90.9 FM KSLU. We have less than a minute. I'm MG. I'm that was a critical hit by No More Kings. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, yes. We have some news. This is the second to last show for the Experience Points radio show, as is. Right. We, we're going to have something for you guys, but it might not be called Experience Points anymore, and I will be the host. Yep. I'll be taking completely, I'll be out of it completely. Matt Dustin finally got fed up with me, and this is where I'm we're at. I'm just taking him out of the package. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, fortunate for me, I got another job, but it does take me away from uh, Southeastern. It does take me away from the radio show. Right. Next week uh, will be the official last episode of the Experience Points radio show, and then after that, there may be some hiatus episodes. In the yeah. meantime, until Dustin works up what he's got cooking for you. Yes, and uh, I got some I hope ideas it's a slow already cooker because that always tastes better in the slow cooker. Oh my gosh. Or a pressure cooker. Chicken and dumplings. Ooh, what if you put a slow cooker in the pressure cooker? We got cooker? one minute. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> thanks for hanging out. exppoints.com. Uh, always double tap to P. That's where all the stuff's still going to be for a while. Yeah. And we may put little updates there, uh, maybe blog updates or whatever, even after the next show or whatever it is comes yeah. on. We got one song for you, the Chip Tune Legacy by Big Giant Circles. We'll catch you next week from 9 to 10 p.m. Like always. <laughs> on the Experience Points radio show on Southeastern Zone. 90.9 KSLU. We're about you're to re- talk about really, chicken and you're really, dumplings. You're really adamant about the chicken and dumplings. <laughs> oh, so you could call the next show Chicken and Dumplings. Chicken and Dumplings. Yep. It's nothing about cooking.